0: We were also supposed to guard it because there was always the risk of chaos entering into this perfect creation. And that's exactly, unfortunately, we failed our task and we invited chaos into the world through our sin. Now, God had a plan for that. He knew that was going to happen. He had a plan for that, and that plan was to redeem creation from the curse of sin. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And through His life, death, resurrection, He has reconciled and given the opportunity for reconciliation to the world. And now he still invites us, he's still working, and he's still inviting us to work with him. So he's still sustaining creation. He's still holding back the chaos of the sin around us. And he's inviting us to participate in the work that he is doing. But his main goal, the main thing that God is working for, is to glorify his name. And that's what he calls us to work for, to glorify his name. That's, that, that is our primary role, purpose in life. That is what we're supposed to do here on earth, to glorify his name. And that is what we will do for eternity when we enter into the new heavens and earth. We will forever be glorifying his name. So that's what we're about. And we can do that, and we are called to do that, through our work. The way we work, the places we work, the kinds of jobs we do. And we're going to unpack a little bit about what that looks like. So uh, I've got three panelists in front of me, and we're going uh, uh, to hear from all three of them. But Ruben, I'm going to start with you. I'm interested for you just to tell us a little bit about who you are and the type of work you do. And and express to us a little bit about what your what your motivation for work is and if you find joy in your work and what does that look like? Yeah, totally. I probably. I don't know how to do that. Yep. <laughs> Hang on. I think we're I think we're good. Hello? Yep.
1: Oh perfect. You can tell I use these a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I fix helicopters, so I should be able to turn the mic on.
1: There you go. Um, I love what you said. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> A huge theme in my life that I've grown to learn a lot recently, probably within the last, like, couple of years. Um, for a long time, I thought that the work I did had to be, like, part of my physical skill set. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of true, but I think what God is really interested in is our attitudes and our hearts. So, um, a verse that's been really impactful for me for uh, the last couple of years is in Genesis where God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's the first commission that he gives to, uh, to mankind. And if you think about it, in Genesis, what do we know about God? He, he's just created the world, and it's beautiful, and it's orderly, and it's uh, self replicating. And then he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. SO IF YOU THINK ABOUT THAT, WE'RE CREATED IN THE IMAGE OF GOD AFTER HIS LIKENESS. IN A SENSE, WE'RE CREATED TO BE CREATIVE. AND, um, YOU KNOW, AND I THINK WHEN THAT KIND OF EXPANDED FOR ME, IT KIND OF MADE ME REALIZE, I'M NOT NECESSARILY JUST WORKING. I'M ALSO, I'M JUST KIND OF DOING LIFE. AND I SHOULD BE CREATIVE. I CAN BE CREATIVE IN THE KITCHEN. I CAN BE CREATIVE um, AT WORK. I CAN BE CREATIVE IN MY RELATIONSHIPS. AND ALL OF THOSE THINGS SHOULD BE FLOURISHING uh, FOR HIS GLORY. So yeah, that's kind of been a theme in my life, but I guess as far as like, work itself is concerned, what I do is I'm a general contractor. So I do construction, um, I manage renovations and uh, occasionally commercial construction projects. Um, and uh, there was a long time where I thought I didn't want to be in construction because it didn't fit the perceived skill set that I thought that I had. Um, and I thought surely like God has the perfect thing that's out there for me that I should be doing. And I was trying for a long time just to get out of construction. And then I came to a point where I realized, well, if this is, this is kind of, I started asking, okay, well, like, what am I just kind of good at? I'm actually pretty good at this. Um, I get to talk to people a lot. I get to organize things. I get to deal with craftsmanship and angles and making things nice and flush and plumb and square. And maybe there's some of you guys who know what those things mean. Um, <laughs> yeah so i mean it's just a huge blessing i guess today to be able to do those things and feel like i get to propagate beauty in everything that i do um yeah so that's a huge blessing but i guess on the flip side there's definitely a lot of mundane things that i do as well this week just as an example was very mundane um, in a lot of ways just paperwork it felt like a bit of a slog Um, and i think there's an element there too where God calls us to be diligent, and he calls us to be faithful in what we do. So if you're out there and you're, you're washing cars or you're flipping burgers or something that you find really boring, um, I really think that we should not be just doing that, thinking I, God has something better for me. No, God, God has put you there. Sorry, there, there, yeah, there's nothing else that you should be doing. If you're there, that's what you should be doing. And I think you should be asking the Lord, how can I glorify you in this situation? Is there a coworker or a client or somebody that I, need, that I can impact um, while I'm here? And that was definitely a mistake I made for a long time that uh, you know, I regret and I'm thankful that I uh, get to do something else and that I've, I guess, maybe learned that to a certain degree. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of my journey in a nutshell.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things that can tend to uh, hang us up Uh, as young adults when we're kind of exploring where am i heading with my life what 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 kind of job am i going to do who am i Uh, we do kind of get caught up in the uh we're, we're looking for the perfect job and and we're looking for the 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 where is the perfect fit for me where do i fit perfectly uh and the reality is there is no perfect job and there is nothing that's going to fit you perfectly uh part of life is, is God actually working in you to refine you and to shape you because you're not the person that you're going, you're not right now the person you're going to become. However, uh, I, I did hear once that we are who we're becoming. And that's important because uh, all of our lives are on a trajectory towards something and we're, we're working towards something and God is working in us towards something. Uh, and we we are are best suited to to have some idea about where we're trying to get to. Who who do we want to become? Who are we trying to become? And ideally, invite God into that conversation with you in your prayers. Who who am I called to be? Who am I becoming? Because what you're doing right now and the way you do it right now, that is an integral part to shape you for who you are becoming. So if you want to become someone, uh, you need to start now. You're not just going to magically show up to be the person you want to be, Uh, you're on the track for it. Uh, But if you're waiting for that perfect opportunity, you're gonna be waiting a long time. So you need to take advantage of of just the opportunities when and where you find them. Uh, And there is an importance for for having a desire for beauty and excellence. And uh, some jobs are certainly more conducive to instilling that in you uh, and and affording that to you as a worker. Uh, I get huge satisfaction in my job fixing a helicopter when there is a machine that can't fly, it's on the ground and can't physically fly, until I get to it, and I can fix it, and I can enable it to fly, Uh, and then it flies, and I see visibly the handiwork of my efforts. Uh, Certain jobs are far more satisfactorily that way. They lend themselves to giving you, uh, to some extent, immediate satisfaction or visible satisfaction. WHEN YOU BUILD SOMETHING, I'M SURE YOU GET A LOT OF SATISFACTION OUT OF THE WORKMANSHIP THAT YOU DO. OH, YEAH. 100%. AND GOD INSTILLS THAT IN US. That, THAT'S NOT A BAD THING. Um, YOU KNOW, to, TO A CERTAIN EXTENT, WE NEED TO BE CAREFUL ABOUT BEING PRIDEFUL, CERTAINLY. BUT ON ONE LEVEL, WE SHOULD FIND SATISFACTION IN THE WORK WE DO. Uh, GOD FINDS JOY IN WHAT HE CREATED. AND HE FINDS JOY IN THE THINGS THAT WE CREATE. That, the, THE WHOLE PURPOSE FOR HIM embedding POTENTIAL IN THE WORLD WAS TO ENABLE US TO PARTICIPATE IN IT. He takes just as much joy in the things that we create as we do ourselves. And, and for us, we, our response to that should be one of kind of gratefulness and thankfulness to respond back to God and actually offer that up to Him in worship. Um, so I, I fully appreciate your comments on, on the joy and, and the purpose and the motivation you find in work. But I want to talk a little bit with Kylie to talk a bit about what... So, so you had some plans for life, but then what happens if... What happens if your plans, what happens if you end up in a job that isn't very satisfying, that, have a, that has a lot of frustrations? Does that mean that, that you failed somehow or that God has abandoned you? Or, or what, what does that look like? So Kylie, maybe just tell us a little bit about where you are and how you got here.
2: Sure. Um, so my job is uh, I have made people and I raise them. And that is what I do. (laughs) I feed them, and I change their diapers. It's great. Um, So I started out uh, in university. I hold a bachelor's of science in biology from UFD. And I applied to veterinary school two times, and I did not get in. I don't know how many people here have done that. Like, you have a dream, and you're headed for it, and then, like, it just doesn't work out. How did it not happen? I worked so hard for this. So my husband and I looked at each other, and we were like, well, we're not going to pursue vet school for forever because that's a waste of time just banging your head against a door that isn't going to open. And so I applied to nursing school and I got in and I did my, my first three months. Yep. And um, I got pregnant. Oops. And, <laughs> and we looked at each other again and we were like, okay, cool. And we continued on that journey. I did another three months and I finished my second semester and I had my wonderful baby girl um, in October of that year. And then my husband and I looked at each other again. We were like, okay, well, let's see if we can finish this because there's a huge um, a push in our culture to finish what you started, you are committed, you need to do this and there's a huge push for women specifically to do both, right? You are a mom, but you're also gonna have your career because it's really important we put a lot of identity and a lot of pressure on ourselves to have, like we we place our value in what we do, okay? So then I did my third semester and it didn't, like it went well, but I missed my daughter so, so much. And so we decided that at that point I was gonna walk away from school permanently. um, Never having actually worked in the workforce, And I was gonna raise my kids. And so that is the journey that I've been on ever since. And that was a very rocky transition because just think about for a moment, like why are you pushing to find a job and a career? It's because in so many ways our careers define who we are. My, I don't have a job. Man, do I work, but I don't have a job. (laughs) And so, I suddenly have to reevaluate what it means to be a valuable human being because I don't have a job. How do I look at myself and I'm proud of what I do? Well, I don't have a lot to show for what I do except for my, both my kids are still alive, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is good, you know. Um, I, like, I wake up in the morning and I make food and they eat it and then I clean up after they eat it over and over and over again it's extremely repetitive extremely repetitive but having walked this journey to find out why this is valuable to God it's incredible to see how he's working through the mundane so many of us right now are struggling with how life is just not going anywhere right now like we're all stuck in this pandemic and we wake up and we put on our masks and we do our job and we go home and we isolate because we're not supposed to talk to anybody or breathe on anyone else. And it's not going anywhere. That's my every day. <laughs> I love my kids, okay? I absolutely love them and I love my job. job. Um, but I have to find value and meaning in something other than my work title. And my value and meaning is, isn't who God made me. And it has been a journey every single day to invest in the work that I'm doing and say I am doing this to the glory of the one who made me, whose love is sufficient for me, whose grace is sufficient for me, and because this is the work that he has set out for me, I will do it to the fullest every single day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. it's (laughs) It's been a sanctifying work. I was just telling Jess that. She asked how it was going. I said, I have grown a lot. Yeah, a sanctifying work for sure.
0: Yeah, and that's, a, and that's an important point. You know, God, uh, we spend the majority of our lives in our workplaces. That's the reality of it. We, we spend far more time in our workplaces, and, and even though the world might not necessarily consider being a mom a job, uh, it's, it is a full-time job, and then some. So uh, work is, is the place where we spend the majority of our time far more time than we will ever spend in a church in a church building in a bible study Uh, far more time than we will spend almost anywhere else certainly more time than we'll spend on a beach or in a vacation or all sorts of other or even the volunteer activity that we might do on the side workplace is the place where we live the most and uh and if and if we can grasp the idea of one uh, God is passionate for us to, to, to flourish in our lives and in all areas, and if work is the place where we spend the majority of our life, then we need to know that God desires us to flourish there. He, he, he has passion for us, and we should be passionate for him and for the work we do, uh, and, and yet so often uh, cultural pressures and, uh, and our, own, our own seeking for identity get in the way of that, um, and hinder our ability to recognize that God will use the workplace, probably more than any other place in the world, to disciple us, uh, to work in us, to transform us, to, to take the edges off of us, uh, to speak to us and to challenge us in who we are, how we identify ourselves. Um, and so I appreciate your, your sharing with us some of the frustrations you've had when you made a plan and it didn't work out the way you had planned it to. Uh, and the reality is that our plans often don't work out the way we expect them to or thought they would. Um, and so, Carissa, I'm interested to hear a little bit about who you are and where you're at, because you, you kind of have, have had a significant career in the nonprofit sector, and now recently you're shifting into the profit sector, and so you've also experienced a bit of a transition. And talk a little bit about your work and how you've seen God work in and through you throughout your years?
3: Yeah, I, similar to you, when I was in university, I I felt really compelled to work internationally and assumed that that would be in some form of, of missions work. I had the opportunity to travel internationally and, and just really fell in love with um, uh, so many of the rich cultures around the world and just the, the very um, uh, open, spiritual climate in so many other countries outside of North America, uh, but God also closed some doors for me, and I recognized over time that the skill set that he had given me would better be applied to work here in North America, but, but still supporting international work, and so I did go into the not-for-profit sector. Um, I had uh, almost 14 years with uh, Food for the Hungry, and my core role over those years was inviting Canadians to join in that work um, with us and support it financially. And um, it's kind of funny to have a career in asking other people for money. Um, there, that is a thing, that can be a career. It's not something I, I ever really like signed up for. Um, but I felt really passionate about inviting people into the work of Kingdom um, and recognizing that my role was here in North America. During that opportunity, I had um, many, many encounters with uh, believers who wanted to engage in the work and used the uh, profits from their companies in order to fund some of this work around the world. And as I built relationship with these Christian business leaders across Canada, Um, I just heard some really incredible stories and saw some incredible obedience um, and some transformation taking place in their lives. I remember um, one gentleman who's become a friend, he sat down with me after a trip that he'd had to Guatemala and he said to me, he goes, this has just really wrecked me because I'm super comfortable, I don't work very much. I work exactly how I need to to take care of my family. And he goes being overseas, uh, he felt really convicted that God had given him a skill set where he could work really hard, make a lot of money, and give a whole lot of money away, and do a lot of good things with it, and, and invest into this kingdom work. So he, he experienced, kind of in front of my eyes, this renewed passion for work, um, he ended up selling his business, investing into a much bigger business. He doesn't work a whole lot harder, he's really smart, um, but he, the idea was that he felt really compelled to lean into his career in order to um, have more purpose-driven funding for that he could give away. Um, and he's just got this really great story. Another couple that I met, they were at a crossroads, they'd celebrated their 10-year um, anniversary and their company they had founded, and they were, ex- They were celebrating where they'd come from, uh, all the work that they had, you know, accomplished together and all, you know, lots of employees and good work. Um, And they sat down with me and they said, we don't know why we're working this hard. Like, what is it for? It's so hard. Um, And through our friendship and through our our relationship, they also felt really inspired that they could um, sort of leverage the gifts. And talents and opportunity and platform that God had given them in the workplace um, to again really further kingdom work and really kind of transition their thinking and their purpose around uh, profitability. Um, that same couple um, had invited me to join them in their work, and uh, I kept saying no because I felt really uh, content where I was, where God had me at Food for the Hungry. Uh, But at the same time, God had been building in me this passion to see Christian business leaders flourish Um, because so many of them felt like they, they only existed to make money and then what they did with the money mattered. They didn't really feel like they had this permission to experience vocational calling. I guess, they would say, you know, on the stage they see missionaries commissioned, um, they hear stories of people who go do hard things, and they just keep showing up for work, right? And um, I started to see that shift for people, and they felt like, this is what God has wired me to do. This is the talent that God has given me, and it matters. And um, their transformation and that understanding um, became something I felt really passionate about, Um, So six months ago uh, I said yes to joining them uh, because I feel like God um, put it on my heart to continue sharing this message of vocational calling and uh, it's a little bit easy to do when you're not doing the day-to-day work. (laughs) So I thought, okay, I better better do this. So I feel like for me it's understanding what God has placed on my heart um, to invest myself into and then just being obedient to really crazy invitations. Uh, to say yes so I left the not-for-profit industry about six months ago and um, I'm now the CEO of uh, four companies here in Abbotsford. Um, Custom home building company, uh, plumbing and heating company, a millwork company and a tiny home production company. So very very different but at the core I'm seeing it's the same. It's all about loving people and about glorifying God in my work and now using my day-to-day, um, my day-to-day investment in work to encourage other uh, business leaders uh, to really live from a, pay- a place of purpose um, and a place of understanding their role as co-creator um, alongside uh, the Lord and bringing kingdom come. So it's been a bit of an adventure, not at all what I thought I would be doing either, but it's been really um, meaningful.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um I'm, I'm I'm a leader in this church and that i'm an elder uh, I'm not on staff and i'm not a pastor and uh, currently no one on this stage is on staff at Northview. Um, one person was on staff at one point in their lives um, but but I, but I, but I'll be honest to say that uh, I think to a certain extent we as a church and, and northview specifically but western churches in general western christianity in general uh has not helped uh our christian disciples gain an understanding of of the place of work in their lives and the joy and celebration that god has in the work we do and a sense of god calls us into the work we do whatever that job is Um, too often i think uh, not necessarily intentionally, but inadvertently, as a church, what we do is we celebrate the pastors, we celebrate the preachers, we celebrate the missionaries. Because we bring them up on stage, you see them, you're, you're given examples of them. Um, and and too often, uh, I think what what often can happen inside of a group like this is... Is you begin to feel uh, God work in your life, you begin to develop a real passion for the gospel, for seeing transformation both in yourself and in others. And then, what tends to happen uh, from us as leaders is that uh, we might single you out and kind of pull you into a leadership role because we sense the passion, we can see your, we can see God calling you out. So we'll invite you into a leadership role, and then often. YOU'LL FEEL COMPELLED OR WE'LL INVITE YOU TO COME ON STAFF AND GET A JOB AT NORTHVIEW AND WORK. THIS IS A GREAT PLACE TO, to, to WORK AND SERVE AND MINISTER. Um, OR WE'LL ENCOURAGE YOU TO GO TO BIBLE SCHOOL AND BECOME A PASTOR, BECOME A PREACHER, BECOME A, YOU KNOW, BECOME AN evangelist, BECOME A missionary. WE, we KIND OF ENCOURAGE AND PROPEL PEOPLE INTO THOSE BECAUSE, because YOU'RE PASSIONATE ABOUT GOD. Um, AND I THINK TOO OFTEN WE HAVE NEGLECTED TO GIVE YOU EXAMPLES OF PEOPLE WHO ARE PASSIONATE FOR GOD and the work they do that isn't paid work in the church or, you know, missionaries or, or something like that. And to a certain extent, we've done a disservice. So one of the reasons why we're all excited to be up here is just to help hopefully give you a vision for uh, a different way to be passionate for God wherever you are. And, um, and I'd, like to, I'd like to just open up to the three of you guys, just to to express a little bit your experiences of, have you felt that the church has maybe not given you a vision for that? Do you feel like there are some occupations that are somehow elevated over other occupations? And how do we respond to that?
1: Um, I don't know if I'd say the church necessarily has Elevated positions above others. I don't know if that's just me, but I've definitely felt that for sure You know, I think I had a, a period of time where I felt pressure like um, I've got a good job things are pretty stable I don't have to worry about money, but maybe I should be a pastor or maybe I should be a missionary that if I was like truly Spiritually mature, I would definitely have like the desire to do that um, <clears throat> and I think it's really important to just pray into these things. I think kind of what you alluded to earlier about how do I choose a career. Um, Just pray like, Lord, what what do you have for me? Show me what I'm not seeing. Read the Bible prayerfully. Think about it. How do I be the man or the woman that you want me to be? And then I think you have to go out and and do it. And the more things you do, the faster you're going to kind of find your little lane. And the more you do those things and the more you pray into it, like, Lord, this was good about today or that was bad about today or I felt like I had an opportunity to speak or connect with so-and-so. You have to push and explore those alleys and pray into it um, as you seek that out. Uh, but yeah, and I do think maybe there's a space in the church where more of that could be talked about. Yeah.
3: I would just say one of my favorite experiences uh, growing up in the church were baptisms. Mm-hmm. Because that was the particular moment where you got to hear the, the time or the journey of how Jesus showed up in somebody's life, and um, it was usually just a really ordinary story. And so I feel like those uh, were really inspirational moments for me sitting um, in the, the church services. And then I, w- I feel like my parents modeled really well that you just are faithful where God is placed you. Um, My dad was a pastor when I was young but transitioned into the business world um, and ran a franchise and um, just did that transition really well um, and always spoke to the fact that all work is God's work. Um, So I'm grateful I had that modeled. I think that what I've heard from other people, because I'm more similar, I think it just, it didn't really, wasn't a stumbling block for, for me necessarily. Um, But I think what I've heard walking alongside business leaders for the last four years was this idea that they felt um, a little bit like checkbooks. Like, their role in the church was to just fund the work of the church rather than to participate in the work of the church. And I've seen uh, it modeled really well at Northview over, over my time here where people are invited in to serve, they are invited into committees, they're um, uh, invited in based on their expertise to speak into um, even the way that the church runs, which I think is really beautiful. But I think that can be a tendency. Right where we see the outcome of our work as being something the Lord can use rather than the, the actual day-to-day work that we're doing. And so that's something I feel really passionate about changing. It's not just the outcome of your work. It is your day-to-day. It's, it's those small moments um, every day that, that can also be your ministry.
0: The, um, the reality is, is that um, work is difficult. And it always will be because of the curse of sin in our lives. Uh, and the Bible clearly reveals to us that the work is difficult for us precisely because it has become cursed uh, due to sin. And so it's not that we weren't supposed to enjoy work and, f- and, and find it satisfying and fruitful uh, because we were, but so often now it is unfruitful and it feels pointless at times and it's very frustrating, and it isn't always satisfying uh, because of that curse of sin over it. Uh, but the gospel then is, speaks to us to say that God is reconciling the world to himself. He is undoing that curse of sin. He is opening the door to give us a glimpse of what the new heavens and the new earth will be like, which is free of suffering. Um, we will never experience that fully here on earth. Uh, We will only experience that fully, but we do get glimpses of it in our day-to-day lives. God does open the door periodically to give us a taste of what heaven will be like. Um, But sin is always an issue that we're struggling with. Um, How do you see sin impacting uh, your your work and your ability to work in your workplaces? Go ahead.
2: You will never see sin nature (laughs) until you become a parent like you do when you're a parent. You never have to teach a child to lie, ever. You never have to teach a child to throw a tantrum. They do that all on their own. You don't, it just comes out all by itself. And then you look at it and you go, and God loves me and I'm like that. And that's incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And then constantly, every single day, when to be, so that any, any job that's a job of service so, I nurses feel this way a lot of the time, I imagine, and like people who clean up after other people, like hotels and things like that. Any job of service, oh, mom brain, I'm sorry. One second. Yeah, it's gone. Okay, oh. <laughs> so, come, come back, back to they, me. They it they will come back in to nature? me. They see sin
1: nature? They see sin nature? No. In jobs of service? No. no.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, this happens. I had a friend who put ice cream in the microwave and left it overnight.
1: Ooh. Okay, come back to me. I'll get it. Sure. Um, <laughs> Thank I just you. think you, <laughs> you just see problems, you know? Uh, they never they never go away. You think right when you've sort of fixed things and they you're like, "Okay, we we fixed this. It's never going to happen again." It happens. And I think I mean, without having a whole lot of thought on this, I think the beautiful thing is in heaven. I I trust and I believe that we will, things will be perfected. And then the work you do, that beauty, you know, the ultimate beauty and ultimate fulfillments of that will return. Um, And then, I don't know, it's um, that much easier, I guess.
2: I do, I remember now. (laughs) 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 One second, one second, it'll be back to you. All right. You'll fight, you fight your own sin nature every day in the yeah. work that you do, right? Because like at work, with some jobs, not all jobs, a lot of people take their jobs home with them, and it's really hard. But like when you're parenting, you wake up, and they're there, literally, right here. And you go to bed, and you hear them crying, so you get up again, over and over. And so it's this consistent laying aside your wants and your desires to serve someone else. I can't imagine anything more Christ-like to... Literally lay down your life every single day for the care of another person. So, yeah, you you see sin in, on both sides, but you also see like, the work that God can do to change and grow you. And then you get to minister to these little people. Imagine discipling to someone who actually wants to hear you. You're not walking around on the street screaming at them. You just get to say, hey, guess what? God loves you. And they're like, oh. <gasps>
3: Uh, what comes to mind for me is, um, the, you know, the effect of sin through broken relationships. Um, business is about people, right? Your employees are people, your clients are people, your vendors are people. Um, it's all about people and um, we're all broken. So there's an incredible amount of um, uh, mental health issues right now, whether it's people on your team or people that you're interacting with. and. Um, that can be extremely difficult um, to to handle. Um, There's broken relationships uh, just between people. You can have clash between uh, staff members or you can have a really challenging client that you have to deal with. And I think it's just really, what I hope and pray is that my decision-making reflects something different um, in really putting Um, putting thoughtfulness into how we treat people. What does it look like to go above and beyond? What does it look like to be Jesus um, in these situations? Um, Not just doing the ethical thing, not just making ethical choices, but going even further than that to say, you know, how do I bear witness um, to the reconciliation that Jesus offers each and every one of us? And so I feel like we're Surrounded by those choices and and by the impacts of sin all the time, but I think even just for myself, um, I'm a very competitive person. It doesn't matter if you're in the not-for-profit business or the profit business. I think you have to be very aware of the potential of pride, um, of of shortcuts. You know, um, I would always say it's people over profit but I can get really, really excited about profitability. So it's just a constant uh, source of going, okay, Jesus, uh, keep me grounded, keep me centered, keep me focused. Um, So it's myself as well, right? It doesn't matter what work environment you're in. Um, You have to always be aware of those things and kind of surrender them and uh, try to have that worldview and that lens constantly of uh, of reconciliation.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, at the beginning, at the early part of my career uh, as a helicopter mechanic, I was often with a helicopter in the middle of nowhere because that's where you use helicopters, where there are no roads, there's no nothing. You put them in the middle of nowhere. And uh, often isolated on my own, fixing a machine. And, um, and so I, I, I was often kind of isolated. I had to deal with a lot of issues that come alongside of when you're working in an isolated environment and the loneliness you feel and, and there's all sorts of issues there that come up. Um, You know, and a lot of the frustrations we come across in work, uh, I encourage you to to think them through because sometimes we grumble and we complain about the the frustrations we we, we have around us, and we just kind of attribute that to, well, life just sucks sometimes, or that's just really lousy. Uh, But I I would encourage us just to to actually take that a step further to recognize that the reason it's frustrating, the, the reason it's painful, is because there's a... There's uh, uh, an aspect of a sin root to all of this. Uh, and when we feel isolated and when we feel lonely and when things are breaking down around us, it, it sh- it should not, we shouldn't just grumble and complain about it. We should actually be compelled to have that push us towards Christ because he's the solution. He's, he's the answer to all of this. Uh, frustration and loneliness and, and failure. Uh, he, he points to himself in the midst of those times. And so it should compel us to actually draw closer to God, lift, lift that frustration, lift that loneliness, lift all of that up to Christ, and ask Him, How can your gospel redeem this situation for me where I am? Uh, and then as, as you begin to experience that, and He will, He'll respond to that. And when you begin to actually experience that and, and have a relationship with God where it impacts you on that level, then all of a sudden you can become a conduit to others around you because that's... So, coming to evangelism, a lot oftentimes when I was growing up, it seemed to me that as a Christian, our role in the workplace, if we were in a secular job, our role in the workplace was not to sin. So we weren't supposed to steal. We weren't supposed to cheat. We weren't supposed to be dishonest. So we weren't supposed to sin as Christians. Uh, we, we were to live differently. Uh, and we were to evangelize our coworkers. Um, but... But I, I don't know that we were actually taught very well on what that actually looks like. How do you evangelize your coworker? Is it kind of cornering them in the lunchroom to say, you know, do you know Jesus? And the four <laughs> spiritual laws and, you know, and, and, and for most people nowadays, especially your generation, most people will have no idea of who you're talking about if you start talking about Jesus. Uh, they, they, they didn't grow up in the church. The, the, the church is disappearing from our culture. And so they're not going to necessarily have all the foundation for evangelism as we might know it, who have grown up in the church. Uh, Certainly our generation uh, has an issue there, um, and maybe you already understand that. Um, But what does it look like to evangelize? What does it look like to compel people towards Christ in our workplaces if it isn't just, you know, you need Jesus? Anybody have any thoughts on that? I think it kind of comes
1: back to when you're walking in that element of glorifying the Lord with your work, no matter what it is that you're doing, um, people know that you're Christ's disciples by how you carry yourself and by how you treat other people. And I think, how are you going to go and make disciples when you don't have your own life in order? And I don't just mean, like, your bank account and all that type of stuff. I mean, like, when you're, when you're not aligned with, hey, I'm happy to be here because God has called me to be here and do well in this place at McDonald's or the gas station or whatever that is. And I uh, lost my train of thought now.
2: That's <laughs> contagious.
0: <laughs>
1: um. I lost it. I'll jump in. Yeah, ahead. Yeah. So I'll
3: join you in that in that idea. I think you know it's been really interesting for me, um, jumping into a workplace uh, new and being able to identify other believers because of the way that they are living. It's been really really fun to sort of go, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And see what comes out. Often it'll be, yeah, I'm serving in my church or this or that. But it is it is a love. It is a hope that they're radiating that helps them stand out and to me that's just been a really beautiful um example and it's been really um, exciting for me to to say yes this is how i want to stand out too so i think how we carry ourselves right now truthfully just being hopeful (laughs) is already super strange and can have people go what's going on like why why are you okay right now what's what's kind of your why how are you hanging in there and it just gives you an invitation to Uh, share a little bit about where you find your hope and um, how you process a lot of the heart in the world right now. Um, I would also say that our entire worldview and our filter that we make every decision with should be different as a believer and as a follower of Jesus and um, that often in the process of uh, making decisions or of encouraging people to think through problem solving in a different way. Um, Some of those different characteristics will come through. I try really hard to lead with um, a perspective of abundance. I believe there's enough for everyone. Um, In an environment where you could be really competitive, I said, what happens if we collaborate? Um, And then for them to question kind of like, well, why do you think that way? And to be able to have an answer for that. And that's really been um, an area where already I've experienced a lot of joy, um, being able to have those conversations and, hopefully,
1: be able to glorify Jesus in that. Yeah, that's something that's bang on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, and then just one other, like, layer to add on to it as well. I think it's exceptionally countercultural to um, experience joy through the, through Christ our Lord and also um, to be content, right? So so I think we none of us go out in the world thinking, um, I would like to be, you know, the uh, B grade teacher. I'm not the like amazing teacher. I'm like I don't I don't really feel like that. I'm just gonna be the normal teacher, the regular one. I don't. I'm gonna be the normal doctor. I'm gonna be the normal nurse, the regular person. We don't think about that. The world is built on the normal people, like the people who make our food, the people who clean up after us, the people who I say clean up a lot. I do a lot of that. Um, the people who teach our kids, the people who like. There are so few up here, and so. If if you're called to do something totally mundane and normal, you are glorifying the Lord. Be content in that, own it, look at it, and be joyful every day when you go and do it, because you are just as significant in the kingdom. The first or the what well, shall be first? There we go. Um, and you are you are being obedient. In just being content and doing the test that you've been given and that speaks volumes because there are not many people outside of the Christian circles who can look at their life and go no I'm happy with this because this is what God has asked me to do and this is what I'm gonna do.
3: One thing I might add is you know Kylie you had said before and I thought this was really this is really profound and important and that is that um,
0: we really first even no matter
3: what we do for work um, we need to first really rest in our identity um, of who we are. And I think, you know, even for me in that transition period, um, I did a lot of soul searching. It was a really difficult transition um, for me, and I had to really come back to how has God wired me? Uh, What has he called me to do? And um, ultimately, it's not attached to any job. I could do anything, and it it would still be an opportunity for me to glorify God. But I think one of the things that I didn't focus on early enough, I had a friend the other day ask, Um, Do we still tell our kids they can be anything they want? Like, is that still an okay conversation? And we had, it was this interesting dialogue because we do, I feel, in, particularly in North America, have this, like, really bizarre fascination with being remarkable. We want to be an influencer. We want to be the best, right? We're not focusing on being faithful and just and and content. So we were having this little, um, yeah, kind of, go back and forth about like, do you tell your kids they can be anything? Or do you tell them you're remarkable no matter what you do? Or do you reframe the conversation? And one of the things that um, my husband and I feel really passionate about is, is instead of always complimenting our kids on the outcome of the work that they're doing, though we want them to work really hard, is to say, Look at this. Like, this comes really naturally to you. Look at how God has wired you. Or this is really, this is challenging for you. Isn't that so interesting? Like, this is so easy for some people. It's not easy. Always trying to bring it back to how God has deliberately made them so that they can use uh, how God made them in any aspect. I don't want to elevate any one particular career over another. I want them to be obedient. If God calls them to be a plumber, that is just as beautiful. if And then in and then any other career that they could have, it's about obedience. So I feel like that is the core root for me when I'm, um, even my own life, my kid's life, and, and the people that I work with is saying, are you being obedient? Are you content in what God has uh, put in front of you? And I think if we can say yes to that, no matter how crazy it is, God might call you into missions. He might call you to be a pastor. And those are, um, to a degree, elevated in our you know, Christian circle. That's beautiful. Um, my challenge to you would be exactly what Kylie said, is to be content and joyful and obedient in whatever it is that he asks of you.
0: Yeah, we, um, uh, I think it's important to at least mention... Um, I find it important to mention, and I'm sure that Chris will, will, will resonate as soon as I say this, it's important for us to, to recognize that um, as Western Christians here in Canada, we are incredibly blessed and privileged. Um, we are far wealthier than the majority of the world. We have significant options uh, in front of us, a wealth of choices in front of us as to what we want to do for our occupations. And and whereas the majority of the world has almost zero options, um, they're going to do whatever they need to do to survive, to find food that night. Um, And for those of us who have lived and worked in those environments, um, that's a difficult thing for us as Western people to reconcile. Um, To some extent, I'm still, years after living in that culture, still processing what does that mean for me as a Western, because I don't think we often recognize it, especially if you've not been exposed to it. So, uh, so I just want to make sure that, that that's mentioned, because I think it's, it, it's, it's sad for me when I see the younger generation uh, actually get hung up on and get stalled out on their lives because they, they have too much choice. and. They have expectations that are completely unrealistic that our culture has kind of foisted upon them. Um, And and so whatever I can do to help pull pull us out from that and to encourage you to just step out, just be faithful to, to, to serve others and to experience and find God and serve him and glorify his name as best you can wherever you are. And please don't get paralyzed by too many choices. You know, when I came back, uh, and we'll have to close this up, but when I came back from Madagascar, um, uh, I kind of had re-entry shock. And one of the the issues, I walked into into a London drugs because I needed a toothbrush. Uh, Now, I'd been in Africa for most of seven years. So I needed a toothbrush, I didn't, have a t- I didn't bring one back with me or whatever it was, but I needed a toothbrush. So I go, into, I go into London Drugs and I get in front of the toothbrush aisle, and it's like a whole aisle of toothbrushes. There is literally a thousand toothbrushes that I'm staring at. And, and I, I'm a bit of an analytic person, I, I, I tend to get in my head a bit too much, I, I overthink things sometimes. Um, I'm probably the only helicopter mechanic that has a, 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 a master's in theology, so, so I, do, I do go there. But uh, So I, I'm looking at all of these toothbrushes, and I'm trying to figure out why are there so many. Uh, and and there, must, you know, there, there must be differences between them, or why would there be a thousand of them. Um, and so what are the differences? So I'm analyzing and comparing, well, what's the difference between that one and that one? And then I'm, I'm taking price into factor, and soft brush, or hard brush, or... You know, pink or purple or blue or white. Or, you know, I got all the color ranges. So I, uh, after about, f- it was probably close to 45 minutes, all of a sudden, I had a headache. I was stressed out. I had a headache. And, and I was not feeling well. And I was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> I left without buying a toothbrush. <laughs> because for seven years, when I needed a toothbrush, I walked into a store and I had two choices. I had pink soft bristles or blue hard bristle. Two two choices, that's it. Now, I wanted the soft bristle, but I didn't want a pink toothbrush. (laughs) That was the dilemma I had to face for seven years. Uh, Now I have a 1,000 toothbrushes in front of me, and it paralyzed me. It made me ill physically. Um, I know that some of you feel that in your life. Too many options, too many expectations, and you just, you get paralyzed, and you feel ill, and you feel lost. Uh, can I just implore you to, 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 to try to step outside of that context? If, get your eyes up to God, and just say, Lord, just lead me, and, 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 and just pick a, pick a path and go for it. And the path, more than likely, the path is going to change anyways, and it's not going to be exactly the way you planned it, regardless So move forward. Always try to be moving forward in God. Seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else gets added after that. So make sure you're putting that first. Everything else comes after. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation that we've had. Uh, I hope that you guys have. Uh, I certainly would uh, encourage you to uh, find people around you to have if you've got questions if you've got things if uh, thoughts if, if things are rolling through your head on some of the things we've talked about and you want to think through them a bit more find us out in the out in the foyer find other people at different points li- leaders of, of nya whatever engage in conversation don't what i desperately don't want you to do is walk out of here and just not ever think about this again uh, work is such an important part of our lives uh, both in the time we spend in it and also because god actually values it he's very passionate about what you're doing in your jobs uh, so so don't don't just leave that behind uh, let's let's move forward let's be a church that gathers like we're doing right here uh, that grows by having really good conversations and studies around the, what the Bible teaches us and then most importantly let's go let's go into the world and and the the, the actual we, we're a whole group of missionaries here whether you realize it or not because uh, you don't need to go overseas and you don't need to be labeled a missionary to be one that's sent out, because we're all sent out into the world. And you've all got a mission field right right in your workplaces. Uh, so I want to encourage you to, to, to seek God and find the places and the ways that he can disciple you and you can be a discipler uh, wherever you're working. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity we've had here this evening. Thanks for you guys for joining me in this conversation.
1: Yeah, it was a blast.